I had been approached by modeling agencies since I was 10 years old. And I remember at 10 years old thinking, me, a model? Like I'm a kid, you know? But I remember that set in motion for me a thought process and a struggle in my heart of wondering if I was beautiful. That struggle continued into high school. And I remember thinking, you know, like, oh, like I just want to try it. Like I just want to try to be a model and see, you know, what would happen. But as I was actually a model pursuing this, um, it was in that time period that I found myself more insecure. I'm less confident. I found myself more hyper-focused on my outward appearance. I found myself more self-consumed, less interested in honoring God and more like, okay, how do I just fit in? And I remember after that, as I was wrestling with all the issues in my own heart and then realizing like, if this is only going to keep getting worse. Like I, as the further I climb in this, the harder it's going to be um, as a Christian. And so I just decided I was done. And it was at that point in my life where I really took a step back and had to decide as a Christian, am I going to do this thing? Like, am I going to follow the Lord? For me, that was the turning point. And I decided, yes. Welcome to the Adorned Women podcast. Our goal is to inspire you with new stories each week, featuring women of faith from all over the world and all walks of life. Through weekly discussions with each sister in Christ, we hope to give you a glimpse into who they are and how their lives have been transformed by the gospel. We're all in this journey together, so let's be inspired together. Hello, Adorned Women. Welcome back to the Adorned Women podcast. I'm your host, Alicia, and this week's guest is Kristen Clark. Kristen co-runs a ministry called Girl Defined with her sister, Bethany, and together they create and put out tons of resources for women and girls, and it's all centered around answering this question of who has God designed you to be? How has God defined you as a girl, as a woman? And so they have tons of stuff out there. I'll actually have some of it linked in the description if you're interested in checking it out later. But today in our conversation, Kristen and I really got into some of her story, some of it having to do with how she got into Girl Defined and some of it having to do with some of the behind the scenes, some of her family life. So we touched on a lot of great topics today. Some of those include the importance of leaning into the word and really really understanding the reality and the truth of who God says he is and who God says we are, Um, the importance of finding wise and godly counsel and leaning into that and trusting that. Um, Kristen shared very openly and honestly about many struggles that I think a lot of us will be able to relate to. I know I did. And and the joys and triumphs too of trusting God and then receiving his blessing. So I think today has a lot of stuff and I'm sure there's something in there for everybody. And so I can't wait for you to listen to this conversation and then feel free again to check out some of the resources I link in the description after you listen. For now, enjoy today's conversation. Hi, Kristen. Welcome to the Adorned Women podcast. We're so excited to have you on today. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here and to have this conversation with you. Of course, before we get started and jump into your story, could you share with our listeners some context for who you are and what you're doing right now? Yeah, so I am a Texas born and raised girl, married to my husband. Now we just celebrated 11 years of marriage. Um, I have two amazing boys through adoption. Actually, last year we adopted our two boys, their brothers from the country of Ukraine. So a new mom. Um, I have a whole journey and story of just struggling with infertility, recurrent miscarriage, and then God ultimately redirecting our path toward adoption, which has been 
such a gift, um, just like a highlight of my life. I'm so grateful. And then I also run a ministry with my sister called Girl Defined. So we founded that ministry back in 2014 with just the passion to help girls and women all over the world understand that the one who designed us, God, is the one who defines us. And he has a beautiful plan for our lives as women um, for every aspect of our femininity, our womanhood, our identity, our worth, our relationships. And his plan is so good because he's our creator. So we do that through blogging and YouTubing and podcasting and conferences and books and resources. So when I'm not taking care of my boys, I'm doing Girl Defined, hanging out with my husband, family, um, and sweating a lot here in Texas because it is really hot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also born and raised in Texas, so I get that. <laughs> oh, you know, exactly. This heat has been unbearable. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. And um, I've looked into Girl Defined a little bit since since we connected. And yeah, there are some incredible resources there. So you guys should check that out. But um yeah, for today, I just want to get into a little bit of your story and just allow you to share some of the things that God has taken you through and um, and some of the ways that He has been able to use you and use your platform and your impact and your and your passions to um, further His kingdom and give Him glory. So wherever you want to start, just jump on in and, and share with us some of the big moments in your life that have gotten you to where you are today. Yeah, I would say probably it started for me in high school. So I was born into a wonderful Christian family, parents who both love the Lord, who taught me about Him from a young age. Um, but you know, there comes a point in your life where you have to make that choice for yourself. And for me, that point came later high school. You know, maybe I had already been graduated, but I had been approached by modeling agencies since I was 10 years old. Just randomly, they would approach me. I'd be out shopping with my mom. You know, they'd come over and hand me their card and say, Hey, you know, you're tall you're thin. We think you have the build of a model. We'd like you to come work for us. And I remember at 10 years old thinking, me, a model? Like I'm a kid, you know? And I remember that set in motion for me, a thought process and a struggle in my heart of wondering if I was beautiful, you know, well, these people think I'm beautiful. They're offering me to be a model. You know, I wonder if these other people think I'm beautiful. And I kind of started chasing after this idea of beauty based on my outward appearance. And I started struggling with comparing myself to other girls, you know, just at a young age, wanting, you know, seeing girl get attention and thinking, okay, that's what true beauty is. I need to look more like her changing things to try to fit in. That struggle continued into high school. And I remember thinking, you know, like, oh, like, I just want to try it. Like, I just want to try to be a model and see, you know, what would happen. But my parents were not huge fans. They weren't really encouraging me necessarily because they saw a lot of the pitfalls in the industry. And they saw a lot of the struggles and like kind of the dark side behind the scenes of what often goes on in that industry. So they weren't really encouraging me. But um, in my later high school years, later teen years, I was like, I just really want to try this. And so I was approached by another agency. Um, you know, I had a little stack of all these cards over the years, I would save them. And I would just always wonder, like, I just wonder what it would be like to finally be a model. And so I was sure I was like, I'm sure I can combine my faith. Like, I'm sure that, that there will be no problems. Like, I'm sure I can uphold my standards and my morals and embrace, you know, this life as a model. And so I found an agency, they had approached me and they claimed to be really family friendly. And they said, you know, if you don't like something, you don't have to do it. We won't pressure you. And I thought, wow, this sounds too good to be true. And so I signed a one-year contract with them. And, you know, at first it did seem good. I was like, oh yeah, they're, they're pretty flexible. They don't force me to do anything I don't want to or pressure me to. But then as time went on, I noticed a couple things. One, what was happening inside of me. And rather than finding this ultimate contentment, this ultimate satisfaction, this ultimate feeling of worth and value as a woman thinking, you know, if I could just be a model, I'm not going to struggle with comparing myself. I'm not going to struggle with 
my outward appearance, I'm going to be totally content. Like I will have arrived. But as I was actually a model pursuing this, um, it was in that time period that I found myself more insecure. I'm less confident. I found myself more hyper-focused on my outward appearance. I found myself more self-consumed, less interested in honoring God and more like, okay, how do I just fit in? Um, And so that was happening in my heart, which surprised me because I thought it would be the opposite. But really, as I chased after trying to find the approval of others through my outward appearance, I became less and less content, more and more critical, less focused on the Lord, more focused on myself. The other thing that I was experiencing during this season was the modeling industry they say they won't pressure you, but as time goes on, they do. And my agency was getting a little frustrated with the fact that I wasn't accepting every job. And they reached out to me, you know, it was maybe after seven, eight months. And they just said, Hey, you need to get less picky. Like if you ever want to go anywhere with this, you have to accept every job that comes your way. You know? So they were just encouraging me like, Hey, we love to have you as our model, but if you don't start getting less picky and just taking whatever you can, you're not going to make it to, you're not going to make it anywhere. And that's not going to look good for us. So basically, you know, you know what you need to do. And I remember after that, as I was wrestling with all the issues in my own heart and then realizing like, if this is only going to keep getting worse, like I, as the further I climb in this, the harder it's going to be um, as a Christian. And so at the end of that year, when my one con, my one year contract expired, I just decided I was done and I was done with the struggle. I was done with the pressure. And it was at that point in my life where I really took a step back and had to decide as a Christian, am I going to do this thing? Like, am I going to follow the Lord? Am I going to follow him wholeheartedly for myself? Um, Or am I just going to kind of keep piggybacking on my parents' beliefs? You know, what I was raised to believe, where am I going with this? What am I doing with my life? It was kind of like a come to Jesus moment. (laughs) So for me, that was the turning point. And I decided yes, I want to follow God. In fact, I want to be free from these struggles. I want to live for him. I want to encourage other women and point other women to him, not to myself. And so for me, that was a time in my life where I really started digging into the word for myself. I wanted to know, God, what do you say about true beauty? What do you say about worth? What is successful in your eyes, not in mine or the world's, but what do you say matters? What do you value? And so as I did this deep dive, that's when I really um, just grew so much in my faith, so much in my love for the Lord. And I think that's also around the time that I started to get a passion for encouraging younger women. Because as I looked back, you know, I'm the oldest of five sisters. I saw some of my younger sisters wrestling with the very same things that I had wrestled with. Um, and I just thought, man, I want to be an encouragement to them. I want to reach back down to the next generation, kind of tightest to older women pouring into younger women. And I want to encourage them in the truth of the Lord. And, you know, maybe I can spare them from some of the heartaches that I walk through. Maybe I can spare them as they learn the truth and are empowered by the word of God, you know, in a biblical way. And so that's kind of where I was in my, um, my late teens. And for me, that was a big turning point in my relationship with the Lord. Yeah. Um, so tell me a little bit about how you went from that point to actually establishing Girl Defined and everything you do with that. Yeah. So after that point, so my sister, Bethany, she and I founded it together. She's a few years younger. So a few years after that, like I was, I was 24 when I got married. So I had this passion for pouring into younger women and I was doing that, but more in like a mentorship capacity. So just like one-on-one, I would meet with younger women. I would hang out with my younger sisters. We would have good conversations. There was no official ministry, you know, happening. It was ministry, but it wasn't like an, an official capacity. And so as time went on and I just, you know, loved interacting with these young women and my sister was feeling the same thing. My sister, Bethany, she and I just started talking like, Hmm, what would it look like to start something a little more official or to just take some of what we're learning and invite younger women into that 
through a blog. And this was back in like the, the early or like the mid 2015s, right? <laughs> like everyone was blogging, you know, you seem pretty young. So you may have been really young at that point, but everyone, it's like blogging was the thing. It's like podcasting wasn't a thing. YouTube. I don't even think that was a thing yet. It was just like blogging. And so um, this was even earlier. No, this was like early 2012, 2013. So my sister and I are like, okay, we're going to start a blog and we're just going to start like putting stuff out there, out there for who, I don't know who's going to find it, but we're just going to put it out there and hopefully someone will find it. And so we started blogging just about all the questions that we had as young women, the questions that our sisters had, our friends, and we would just like write on it. And so we started doing that. It wasn't consistent. We didn't know what we were doing. We didn't have a good plan. We didn't really know where we were going. And so when I turned 24, I got married my husband, Zach, who is amazing. And that around that time, you know, I'm married, I'm kind of like entering this new season. My sister's still single. We were just kind of different seasons of life. And so we just kind of stopped altogether and we stopped with anything online. And then a few years into my marriage, um, she and I just kind of started talking again. She was still single. And, you know, we're like, whatever happened with that? Like, we just kind of stopped, you know, are we wanting to do anything? Like, should we reconsider like what we want to do? And so it was at that time we decided you know, we really don't know what we're doing. So let's just take some time to learn one, how to even like start a ministry, how to have like an online presence, how to launch a website and do it well. Um, you know, what kind of content do we want to put out? Is it just going to be a blog? Do we want to have more than that? And so we really sat down and for like six months, we just studied and we just learned and we just sought counsel. And at the end of those six months, we both felt so compelled towards starting something um, a, a ministry that would help young women understand God's design for their lives. And we were like, okay, just talking about like, what could it be called? Like, okay, God defines us. He's our designer. He defines us girl defined by God. And it was just like, you know, the conversation. And then we're like, girl defined, <gasps> girl defined. Like we are girls defined by God. Like let's, let's have a ministry all about unpacking that question. Like, what does it mean to be defined by God? So that's how it started. And that was in 2014 when we officially launched. So it was a few years after I was married. Like I said, she was still single. So it was kind of cool because we were in different stages of life. So we could talk about topics. Like I could kind of bring a married girl's perspective. She could bring the single girl's perspective. And I think that just, it just worked. And it God just opened the doors and it was within the year 2014 that we launched. And again, it was a website, but it was mostly just blogging, but we were very consistent. You know, we had a schedule. We did not miss a post. We posted three times a week. We never missed one because we're like, we know if we're going to do this, we just need to do it. Stick with it. And so as we were doing this, a publisher found one of our articles that had been posted on a guest site. So some other really big ministry, they had picked up one of our articles, asked if they could post it. We're like, sure, that's exciting. Our publisher found that article, reached out to us, and then got the ball rolling with just questions about, you know, do you guys want to write a book? We think that you have potential. We'd love to work with you. And the crazy thing is, because we were so new at this, we didn't even see their email for weeks. And <laughs> when we finally did come across it, we thought it was spam. <laughs> so we were like, we're like, oh, someone's just trying to spam us. And like, you know, it's probably some tricky deal where you pay them a bunch of money and then nothing happens. And so we didn't even respond right away. And we just researched like, wait, is this a legit publishing company? <laughs> Lo and behold, it was, and they're amazing. And so Baker Books was our first publisher. They've now published five books with us, which is so exciting to see what God is doing. Wow. Um, but it was just so cool to see how, you know, like any of us, when you feel God is calling you to something or you take a leap of faith and you start something, whether it's a podcast or a blog or website or any sort of ministry, you're just not really sure what God's going to do with it. And for us, that was the case. We were just open-handed like, Lord, do what you want with this. Just help us to be faithful for as long as, you know, these doors keep opening. So every year now we've been doing it for eight years and 
it's just so cool to see what God does. You know, whenever you're, we just kind of were like, Lord, whatever you have for us this year, help us to be faithful. And we of course plan and prep for things. But at the same time, we try to be very open-handed to let the Lord just like open doors and close doors as he sees fit and just to faithfully walk through. So I don't know what the next 10 years holds, but we're just taking it one year at a time. Yeah. I've got, I think a few questions for you, but, um, taking it back a little bit to when you were starting, um, I think I'm curious to hear about any of the setbacks or the, not necessarily setbacks, or just moments when you were questioning or doubting, like, okay, is this, is this really, is this really God? Is this really right for us? Um, Mm -hmm. Did you have those moments and what were they like? Oh, yes. So many. (laughs) Um, Okay. A couple that come to mind. We started getting some pushback early on and still do to this day from people online who were making, you know, like counter arguments to our posts or, you know, on YouTube making videos. And that was a time early on where we were like, whoa, you know, we had just been regular girls living in our city, ministering in our churches and communities. There wasn't a lot of pushback happening. Right. But when you put stuff online, it opens it up to everyone, which is what you're doing. But we hadn't really thought about like, oh, we're going to have, you know, people who really do not like what we're saying, who have totally different worldviews and who are going to be publishing stuff. Um, whether it's just like criticizing what we're saying, criticizing who we are as people, bashing our whole ministry, like we weren't really prepared for that. And so when that started happening, we were like, um, do we want to do this? Like it kind of scared us honestly at first. And we were just like, we just weren't used to it. And we didn't really know how to handle it. And it was intimidating and kind of scary. And so, yeah, early on when that started happening, it, that was hard. But since then, God has really helped us to just remember. And through lots of wise counsel, we've received this we're like, help, you know, what do we do? that we are serving the Lord first and foremost. And if our aim is to please Him, if our aim is to serve Him and glorify Him, ultimately, yeah, we're going to make mistakes. We're going to say things we wish we'd said differently. But ultimately, if our heart is in it for the Lord, then we can't fear man. We can't fear what man will say about us, what man will do to us. Even if we get canceled, we've just realized like we have to be in this to serve the Lord first and foremost and ultimately surrender our reputation to Him, surrender our whole ministry to Him. You know, He is in the business of building His kingdom. And if he decides, you know, that we don't need our platform because we get canceled, then we're like, okay, that's fine. God is still going to build his kingdom and we'll just be used in a different capacity, you know? So just holding everything with an open hand and having a genuine heart of serving the Lord, fearing him above all else. That was something early on that did kind of shake us. Another thing was when we started the book writing process, we had never written a book. We were writing blog posts, you know, six to 800 words long. Now we have to produce an entire book, 40,000 pages or 40,000 words long, Um, It was so daunting and we were so excited going into it. But as we were working with our publisher, you know, when they're telling us like, okay, here's how the chapters need to work. Here's the flow. Um, They assigned us an editor who was amazing. And it was, she was kind of like someone who works with first time writers. We could tell she was more like a coach, like, okay, like helping us throughout the whole process. She saved our lives. (laughs) But, you know, early on, we just discovered like, I don't know if we're cut out for this. I don't know if we can do this. You know, I kind of, I enjoyed writing. My sister did not. She's, she'll tell you this. She's very honest. She's like, I really do not enjoy writing at all. So she doesn't even like it. We're trying to collaborate together and write a book co-authored by two people, which is challenging in and of itself. Um, We have deadlines we have to meet. We've already signed a contract. They've given us, you know, a small bonus in advance. And so we're like, we're on the hook for this thing. And we, we felt like we were honoring the Lord, like, you know, obeying him or walking through a door he'd open, but we really started doubting that during the book writing process. And up until that point in time, like that was one of the hardest things that we had done just because we had no experience and it was just like pulling teeth like every single day. And so, you know, I think we wrote the whole book in maybe six months, which is for some people fast, some people slow. 
But for us, it was so hard. Every day was like climbing a mountain. Um, and then even the editing process, it's like we turned it in, trembling fingers, you know, as we click send on the Word document. And then they, you know, a couple weeks later, email us back our editor and it's like red pen everywhere. I'm like, we're back in school. <laughs> so then it's like the whole critique. And they, of course, the publisher, you're, they love you, you know, in the sense that they're editing to help the book become stronger and better. But it was just so intimidating working with all these professionals and, you know, all of the markups and the edits and completely ditching entire chapters, having to rewrite stuff. It just felt like this, this book is going to stink. Like, we don't know what we're doing. And this is going to be the worst product ever in the end. And our publisher is probably going to dump us at some point. By God's grace, none of those things happened. But yeah, early on, that was a huge, huge mountain. We felt like we were climbing. But in the end, the book did get finished. It did get published. And to this day, I think it's still one of our bestsellers, our very first book. So we're just like, Lord, you did it. We don't know how, but we praise you for it. <laughs> <laughs> Even as you shared those things, I'm just thinking, like, I resonate with those two things so much. The, like, desire for approval and sometimes feeling like I'm not cut out for where God has put me. And I'm like, okay, well, I don't think I'm in the right spot, God. <laughs> I think you maybe <laughs> made a mistake there. But just like, I think that's such a powerful testimony because I think it's very relatable for a lot of different people trying to follow God. The world doesn't approve of it. And they don't really feel competent in it sometimes. And so I, I really appreciate what you shared. And something did stick out to me. You talked about how, and you talked about this earlier too, but how you went to get counsel or you got counsel or wise counsel from people. Um, you went to someone else or something else to fill in gaps that you, you weren't really prepared for. Um, can you share a little bit more about that? Because that's something we mm -hmm. love mentoring and um, just seeking yes. the wisdom of others. Um, share a little bit about how you find those good, wise um, sources of counsel and how, how you kind of go through a process of really putting some of the burden into their hands. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, scripture talks about there is wisdom in a multitude of counselors, right? So not relying on our own knowledge, our own wisdom, but recognizing there is so much value in inviting godly people into your struggle, into your story, into your calling, into your situation, and just saying, from the outside, what would you advise? Or biblically, what do you think? Or, you know, just being open to honest, like criticism, feedback, you know, whatever you want to call it. Um, it is so important that over time and time again, we have seen the value of doing that personally and in ministry. And obviously it's a biblical thing. We see it in scripture, this like, it's, it's a wisdom thing that we can take advantage of. So why not take advantage? And so for us, as we encounter different challenges, different questions, different paths that we've never walked and we're like, okay, we want to get counsel from people who have either walked it or people who have some sort of knowledge or wisdom in this area. Um, even just godly people who may have never done what we're doing, but they're just godly. So we know they're going to, they're going to speak truth to us from the word. Um, and a great place to find that is in your local church. I am super passionate about the local church because I think it is God's good design for his people, for the body of Christ. We see that in the New Testament, God building his church, establishing his church. And then you see the believers living life together as if they're actually family, right? Like it's, it's very connected. It's like a family relationship, the body, you know, we're a body for a reason. We're family in Christ. And so taking advantage of that, not just surrounding ourselves with our peers, the people who think like us, people who are in our same seasons or in our same age category, but branching out and recognizing like the body of Christ is so dynamic from older people, younger people, new believers, like very seasoned believers who have been walking with the Lord and your local church, a gospel centered Bible believing local church is 
an amazing place to find that. And so, you know, that's what we would do. Like, okay, we would just build relationships with different people through some of the Bible studies, the groups at church. And then we would take that step. And I think this is the scariest step is someone that you know, but maybe it's just more like a friendship, like asking them, Hey, could we meet for coffee? Like I have some questions I'm working through, or I'm, you know, I'm about to make this really big decision. Should I accept this book deal? Or should I enter this relationship? Or should I take this opportunity? Should I start this podcast? You know, I feel like maybe it's a good decision, but I'm not sure. Could I just meet with you? And could you help me work through some of the questions I have? Mm, Yeah, that's such a good word. And you're right about that being scary part. I think uh, there's a lot of those times I haven't taken up um, the opportunity to seek counsel because it was kind of like, well, maybe they won't like want to be associated with me anymore. You know, maybe they're going to think poorly of me. But what you said was such an encouragement. You just take that step and you reach out. And um, if they truly are somebody who's really seeking God, really passionate about pursuing him, then they're going to accept you and they're going to mm-hmm. they're going to speak truth and it's going to be gentle and loving. I would like to switch over a little bit. And you mentioned at the beginning that you had been through this journey um, involving um, infertility and adoption. Mm-hmm. I, I would love to hear that side of your story and, you know, as much as you're willing to share, but how how you've been walking through that and how you've seen God in that journey. Yeah. So my sister and I just released a book literally called Not Part of the Plan, Trusting God with the Twists and Turns of Your Story. And that book is, it's kind of like our journal pages, like our diary pages of the last 10 years of each of our lives and how things have turned out so differently than either of us expected. And so my side of the journey, my side of the story is this journey of getting married. You know, I was 24, life seemed perfect. I'm marrying this amazing godly man. Both of our families lived in the same city as us and we loved them. They were followers of Jesus. Like, you know, we had so much support. My husband had a great job. Like, life just felt great. We had a great church. And I just remember thinking literally on my honeymoon, life is perfect. My life is a fairy tale. Like nothing is going to go wrong. I mean, I I was very naive. It was beautiful and wonderful, but I think I had this perspective. Like it's always going to be this way. It's always just going to be awesome. And as time went on, you know, my husband and I were excited to have kids. We were excited to start a family. Um, we were just kind of leaving it in the Lord's hands. Like, God, whatever you would have for us, we're open. You know, so I wasn't on any sort of birth control. We were just like, whatever happens, happens. But I assumed, like most people, that if you're not preventing, you're going to get pregnant. And so I was just kind of like every month, like waiting, like, oh, you know, maybe this will be the month. And then when it wasn't, my husband and I were like, oh, that's okay. Like, God knows we need more time. Like, we're just building a great foundation in our marriage. Like, he, you know, he's in control. We're trusting him. This is awesome. As the two-year mark rolled around, to your anniversary, I was starting to get concerned the year before. Like, okay, this is like after one year, like typically people get pregnant. Like, I wonder if something's wrong. Probably not. Maybe we just haven't been trying. So we'll start trying and then we'll see. So now we're intentionally trying for a year. Nothing happens. So at our two-year anniversary, I get pregnant like right after. And I was so excited. And I just remember rejoicing. And my husband and I were like, oh, this is awesome. Like God, just like his timing's perfect. Lord, you're amazing. We trust you, all this stuff. You know, I thought I was so surrendered, just like holding this with an open hand. Um, and I, I never imagined that anything would go wrong. I'm from a large family myself. I have, there were eight kids in my family. So I just assumed like, oh yeah, my mom, like she had all these kids. It was no problem. Like I'm just, this is going to be an easy place for me. This is not going to be an area of struggle. So I get pregnant six weeks later, six weeks later, I miscarry. It happens really fast, very abruptly, totally caught me off guard. We had just bought our first house. Um, so the house that I'm in right now, <laughs> this was eight years, nine years ago. And you know, we just, we were in the process of moving. I had the room picked out where the baby was going to be. I was so excited. 
And then everything just came crashing down and it happened so fast, so suddenly, you know, I was just kind of left like in shock afterwards. Like what just happened? You know, I wasn't naive to miscarriage. I knew, I mean, my mom had even had a few herself, but I just like, didn't even think it was going to happen. And so after that, you know, I wasn't concerned. Like we had some sort of problem. I just thought, you know, some people miscarry on the first time. It's just unfortunate, but it happens. And so my, I was grieving, my husband was grieving. And this was the first time we were really wrestling through something um, really hard as a married couple. We had not encountered something like this yet together. And so even the different ways, like a woman grieves versus a man, like that was a challenging time for us. And, you know, he's trying to support me and I'm trying to support him, but we're, you know, like we're kind of missing each other sometimes. And God just did a lot growing us, drawing us closer to him, helping us process that grief, and then helping us just learn how to lean in um, through the grief in our marriage and how to come together. And again, we sought counsel, we sought advice, we People came around us and really supported us during that time, which was huge. Six months later, I get pregnant again. And so I'm like, okay, this is it. Like, this is it. Nobody, like rarely do people miscarry back to back. It's like maybe 3% of women. Like, of course I was Googling this. And so I just assumed like, everything's going to be awesome. Like, here we go. But, but Lord, I know you're in control. You know, I'm holding this with an open hand. And again, I thought I was pretty surrendered, but six weeks later, almost exactly the same timeline as the first one. I miscarried again. And it wasn't quite as fast. I actually made it to the doctor when I thought something was wrong. So we saw the heartbeat, which was an amazing moment. But then later that night, everything came crashing down and I miscarried again. So that was even, for me, felt even more devastating because now it's two babies. I saw the heartbeat. like It just felt so awful and, and so shocking. And so here we are, you know, two and a half years into marriage, two miscarriages, we don't have any answers. We don't know what's wrong. The doctors don't know what's wrong. And we're just struggling and grieving. And, you know, like after that, you know, months go by and we kind of process everything. Um, my husband and I were like, okay, what's the deal? Like, is something wrong? Like what is happening? And so we pursued testing and we went to multiple fertility doctors, um, you know, and this is, this happened. And then the years started ticking by and I wasn't getting pregnant and the doctors didn't know what was wrong. And so I got this diagnosis of unexplained infertility, which is not encouraging because they're like, sorry, it's unexplained. We don't know what your problem is. And I'm like... If I, if you can't give me an answer, who can give me an answer? You know, so we were just left with no answers, no direction. Um, they were saying, yeah, just pursue fertility treatments. Like that's probably your only option. And we were like, okay, well, we're not ready to take that step yet. So we just kind of took a step back and now we're probably like five years married and we're just like, Lord, what would you have for us? And at that time in, in our lives, we just felt like God was really calling us to just serve him right where we were to not try to you know chase after something, but just trust him. Trust him with the timing, trust him with, trust him even with the lack of answers, the lack of information, just to trust him and to serve and pour out right where we were. And so we ended up joining a church plant that came to our city and it was really exciting. And we were part of this church plant, just pouring out, ministering. Um, we had never been a part of a church plant before. So it's like all hands on deck. And it was just exciting what God was doing. It's also in the same time frame when Girl Define was launched. So kind of, you know, rewinding behind the scenes, that's where I was personally. But, you know, God just, it's like my schedule was free. I, I was married, but, you know, I was working, but really wanted to be in ministry. And so that's when the Lord, you know, gave us the idea to start Girl Defined, I guess. And so that's when we launched that, you know, so just looking back, even though it was so hard, I see so many things God was doing and I see so much fruit that he was producing in a season that felt kind of like a drought, like kind of dry, kind of lacking, like, Lord, I just want to get pregnant. You know, I, I want to be a mom. Like, I'm so excited for that, but you're not giving me that, that blessing. You're not answering my prayer in the way I'm asking. So I'll trust you and I'll pour out. And God provided so much fruit, so much opportunity 
um, just to thrive, just to serve him during that time. And so it was really exciting to see what God was doing. Fast forward a few more years, I get pregnant again. That pregnancy lasts a lot longer than the first two. So, you know, my hopes were up. I thought for sure this is going to finally, this is going to be the one. And then that also came crashing down another miscarriage. And so here we are, three miscarriages. We're maybe nine years married. And I'm just like, I just don't think this is ever going to happen for us. Like, I want to be a mom so bad. And I just don't think it's ever going to be my reality. And so I remember crying out to God, like, how can you withhold something so good that you call a blessing? You know, what are you, a cruel God? Are you me? Like, why would you give me three pregnancies only to take them all away, only to build up my hope to have it come crashing down? And that point in my life after that third miscarriage, I'll be honest, was the lowest point in my life spiritually. Um, I just, I didn't want to pray. I didn't want to open my Bible. I didn't want to talk to God. I felt like he was distant and cruel. Um, like he didn't care about my life or my story or anything going on in my world. And so I was just like, I don't want anything to do with him right now. And I never felt that way before. And so that was scary for me. Like if I don't have, if I'm not running to God, like where am I running to? Like, I don't even know. And I just felt like I was spinning in circles, kind of spiraling down. And so it was during that time that I just like for anybody who's listening, who might feel that way. Like, I just feel so distant. I just don't want to run to God, but I know I should. Um, I just did a 30 day study on the names and attributes of God. And it was just a little PDF I found online. We have since created a free one at Girl Defined. It's girldefined.com slash God. You can download this PDF for free, but it's basically one day at a time. You just study one name or attribute of God. And then you read the scripture that shows us where that name or attribute is found in the word. And I did that one day at a time and I would journal and I would pray and I would just say, God, you say you're my redeemer. I don't feel that. Or you say you're my provider or you're, you say um, that you are my stronghold. Like I don't feel that, but I, I know it's true. I know your word is true. I know just because my circumstances change doesn't mean you change. You are the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Help my heart, help my unbelief to be anchored in the truth of who you say you are, not who I feel you are. And for me, that was a huge turning point. Just one day at a time, 30 days, I feel like by the end, um, my heart was renewed. I feel like my faith was revived. My heart was soft toward God again. You know, I wanted to run to Him because I was believing and embracing who He really is, who He says He is. And so that um, was a hard, really hard, but really growing time in my life. And it was shortly after that, which I don't know if you want to get into that God kind of did a 180 on our path and led us down the path of international adoption. Uh, but I will just say like his, yeah, his plans are so much better than ours, but so often we don't understand what he's doing, but we can trust him. Yeah. I think I would love to hear some of the joys of like that, that portion of the story, but quick before we move on, cause there's so much you could definitely unpack from that. Um, I, I wanted to point out, I love that you are not afraid to, talk about those times when you felt like you were super surrendered, but really it was kind of a, it was a mm-hmm. little bit of a biased surrendered. I've definitely felt that too. Uh, just like, yeah, I'm surrendered uh, to everything that I, that I want <laughs> that, that could mm-hmm. happen that I think should happen. Yes. Um, but then there's those possibilities outside and then they just leave a bunch of question marks. And finally, mm-hmm. you know, and you also not being afraid to talk about that low point that time when, okay, there was no bouncing back for a little bit. It was just kind Mm -hmm. of like, I don't, I don't even feel like I know God basically like he's distant. That's not a loving God if he's going to do that to me. But I love how you came back from it by really discovering who he was. Like there was reality going Mm -hmm. on around you, but it was discovering the reality of God that made you want to run back to him. I think that's really important because as long as we are operating with 
this mindset that God is something other than what he is, it's really easy to Mm -hmm. pull back or to criticize, you know, this idea of Christianity or of God. Uh, It's really, it's really easy to disassociate with God. But when we know who he really Mm -hmm. is, you know, you can't help but run to him because you understand just how there's nothing better. There's nothing better than to run Mm -hmm. to him. So I love that you shared the reality of that story and then just the, what it takes to come back to God. It's just knowing who he really is. So thank you for sharing that. And um, I would, yeah, I would love to hear some of the upwards journey of now finding this joy in adoption. Well, I had always imagined that the only way I could be a mom is if I birthed my own children, like biological kids. I, like I said, I grew up a Christian. I knew about adoption. I had had friends who had adopted, families who had adopted, but I just, for some reason, never imagined it for myself, like for my family. Um, and I'm really sad to say that it was after the third miscarriage that, um, I was kind of confronted with the reality and like, I don't even know, like my heart behind why I was hesitant to even consider adoption, because trust me over the years, nine years of wrestling with miscarriage and infertility, people have a lot of suggestions and we had been, you know, so many people, loving people, well-meaning people would just suggest like, well, have you considered adoption? Like y'all should adopt. There are so many kids in need. Y'all would make great parents. It's a great path to parenthood, you know? all these things. And I just remember every time like, Oh, like, yeah, I I do think it's awesome. I do think it's, you know, like we see it in scripture, but I just don't think it's the path for us. I just don't think it's, you know, what God has for us. And I would even try to spiritualize it. And I realized after that third miscarriage, when I really started examining my own heart and my husband, same, um, I realized that there was so much fear behind my hesitancy toward adoption. And what I was scared of was this unknown path that, you know, I'd heard the stories about how some people would pursue it and then it would just, it wouldn't work. It would be disrupted. And then they wouldn't come home with the kids. And I was just like, I don't think I can handle any more losses. Like I can't walk through any more grief. I just feel like I'm up to here and I just don't even want to go there. It just feels too uncertain, too unknown. And what was happening is that I was placing my trust in myself. I was wanting to place my trust in something concrete that I could hold on to, that maybe I could control, maybe something I'd have a little bit of like, you know, stay over. But when you pursue, I mean, really everything in life, God has ultimate control and we don't, but we try to, we try to cling to some sort of security in things that we feel like we can sort of control. And so for me, the fear of pursuing something that was going to be so out of my control, something that would just could go great, could go wrong. Like, I don't know how this is going to end. And then just even quite honestly, just questions in my heart, like, you know, will I have the same love for adopted children? Will I feel like they're mine? I don't know. I've never done this, you know, just like really honest questions that I was wrestling with. And it was through all of that, that God, um, through some kind people in my life and a sister who loves me very much, who asked me a very direct question one morning at breakfast, she just said, do you think fear is behind your hesitancy to adopt? And I was like, absolutely not. Like I am (laughs) trusting the Lord. And I went home later and I was like, it just like, I just started crying. I was like, I am terrified. I am so scared to pursue this. I don't even want to pray about it because I don't even want God to say yes. And so it was through that question that got the ball rolling in my own heart. And I shared it with my husband and he was like, he's like, honestly, I, I kind of agree. Like, cause he wasn't scared. He was just, you know, like open to what the Lord had. It didn't feel a strong passion in either direction, um, but he wasn't scared of it. And he's like, I, I honestly do see that. He's like, when you talk about it, he's like, I see now like that there is a lot of fear behind like all the reasons you give for why it's not going to work for us or why we shouldn't pursue it or whatever. And so I'm like, oh, you didn't tell me. And he's like, I didn't really know until now, you know? And so 
I'm like, oh my goodness, I just need to grow in my understanding of like God's heart for adoption. I don't want my decisions or my prayers to be fear-based, but faith-based. Like I want them to be love-based, faith-based, trusting the Lord, genuinely open-handed for what he would have for our family. You know, I didn't know if he had adoption, but I, I knew I for sure wasn't open to it up until this point. And so my husband and I together read an amazing book called Adopted for Life by Russell Moore life-changing. And in that book, he really, he's an adoptive father. So adopted a couple of boys from Russia, which was so cool in the end, because we ended up adopting our boys from Ukraine, which is right next door. Um, but it was during that time that God helped both my husband and I to see the picture of the gospel through earthly adoption in ways that we had never understood before. Just this picture of every child of God, all of us, me, I'm the orphan. I don't have you know, a family, God adopts me into his family. He gives me a new name, a new identity, a new inheritance. He calls me his child, you know, his beloved daughter. And it was through this picture of God's incredible love for his children and how he adopts us that I was able to then see this incredible picture of earthly adoption and how it's just an earthly picture of the love that God ultimately has for his children. And it was like, like mind blown. I'm seeing the beauty of it. I'm seeing the intentionality of why the Bible uses that adoptive language to talk about the gospel. And I'm just like, this is amazing. And then one of the questions that the author posed in the book, which totally caught me off guard, he said something like, do you long most to be, or do you long most to get pregnant? Or do you long most to be a mom? Because if you long most to be a mom, that can become your reality through adoption. And I was just like, whoa. Like I never thought of that. I just thought if I'm going to be a mom, it's just going to, I just have to get pregnant and like be able to carry a pregnancy. Like that's the only way I'm going to ever be a mom. And I just realized like, I genuinely, my greatest longing isn't to get pregnant. My greatest longing is to be a mom. And adoption is an incredibly beautiful path that brings children and families together. Um, a beautiful gift, something that we could pursue. So my husband and I started praying really intentionally about adoption, if God would have that for our family. And it didn't take long for both of us to feel 100% on the same page, you know, like a couple of weeks, but we saw counsel again, like, okay, should we be thinking about this? And of course our counsel was like, you know, you, you guys need to be unified in your decision, but it is an amazing, incredible thing. And if you both feel um, God moving your heart in that direction, then don't be afraid to follow him, you know? And so my husband and I were united in our, our desire to pursue this. We didn't know where it was going to end. Long story short, we end up getting connected with Ukraine because one of my other sisters started dating a Ukrainian missionary. So she's dating this Ukrainian missionary long distance. We're learning about the country of Ukraine through him. We're learning about the culture, learned about the many orphans there. And so through that connection, we ended up visiting the country um, with my sister as she was visiting him and his family and just, you know, like fell in love with it. And we were like, wow, how awesome would it be to adopt from the same country that my sister's going to be living in, moving to our kids would have connections in Ukraine, an, an uncle who is Ukrainian, cousins that are going to be Ukrainian. Like, this is amazing. And so God just opened one door after another. It was just so clear. It was like the path was paved for us. Um, and long story short, we made a couple trips over and brought our boys home 10 months later. Um, they were 10 and six at the time, brothers. And so I went from not being a mom, you know, 10 years later into marriage, bringing home two boys, instant mom, instant family. Um, but it has been the greatest gift and blessing more than I could ever imagine. Every fear I had, like, will we connect? Will I feel like they're mine? Will they like me? I don't know. It's like God has just gone before us and worked out every detail. I love them to death. Like I can't imagine life without them. Um, I can hear them out there playing with Legos right now as we're even having this conversation. And I'm just like blown away every day. Like God 
you are so good. And it feels like he has redeemed my life in the sense of, I felt like I had ashes and he has brought so much beauty, so much good. Um, But it really takes that leap of faith, willing to trust God. We're willing to follow him wherever he leads, trusting that his story for your life is better than the story that you always imagined for yourself and trusting that um, it really is good. And so, yeah, life is not where I expected it to be today, but I'm so grateful that God is ultimately in control. You know, well, one thing I, I love about that story that just comes through is something God's been teaching me lately too, is this, um, you know, in the words that I've been learning it by is neutrality and you, you called it a leap of faith, just ex- mm. being open, you know, being open to anything God has and not being limited by fears, not being limited by, um, I believe what the Bible describes as desires of the flesh, not being limited mm-hmm. by those things that are of ourselves, but being open to what God has and being in tune with the desires of the spirit, the desires that bring us joy and just genuinely leaning into what God has, because that's what is going to bring us that mm-hmm. joy. So I love that your story really testified to that concept and is really driving home things that God's been teaching me personally as well. I, I'm so happy that I met you in this portion of your life where you have that that story of joy and of, of receiving what God wanted to bless you with. So mm-hmm. I like to close as often as possible with just a glimpse of the church in um, whatever whatever area my guest is in. And so since you are doing this work with women and girls and, and this ministry of who God defines you to be, I would love to ask for your perspective on that portion of the church that you work with and mentor and minister to. Mm-hmm. What do you see in this in this portion of the church of young girls and young women who are struggling but wanting to live life as they are defined by God, as they were designed to be? Mm-hmm. I'm seeing some encouraging things, honestly. Um, I'm seeing a lot of young women who are taking advantage of the many resources that are available through the church, through ministries, helping women to understand their design, his design for their lives. I'm seeing women who are seeing the lies of the world, which are very alluring. They're very tempting. They look very promising promises of what beauty is, of, you know, get a big following online and you're going to be popular. You're going to have it all be an influencer, you know, dress a certain way, get certain attention, Um, whatever it is, just seeing these lies of the world and seeing how enticing they are, but so many young women I know are choosing to follow Christ, like at like making that choice for themselves, not just piggybacking on their parents or just because maybe their community, but genuinely seeing what the world has to offer, seeing how enticing it is, but saying, I choose Christ instead. Like, despite all of that, I still choose Christ. I want him. And, you know, I'm so encouraged by that because I just remember being the same age as some of these young girls. And I'm looking at them like, I feel like I have so many more struggles than they do. I feel like they're so much further ahead. And I feel like they have an even harder world to live in. You know, I didn't have all the social media, um, all of these things at my fingertips that were like right there. And they do. And yet so many of them are seeing what the world has to offer. Like I said, and saying, I choose Christ. I want to follow him. I want to know him. And so I'm just, yeah, I'm really encouraged by that. That is encouraging. And I'm glad, I'm glad to hear from somebody who is working on that level and working with that that group um, and seeing that, yes, the, this next generation and these young girls and young women are continuing to choose Christ above all else. Um, as we wrap up here, is there anything that um, I and our community can be praying for you and your ministry and your family? Oh my goodness. Just pray for what we talked about earlier, just consistent time with the Lord. Um, being um, a new mom of older kids, it is time consuming in the best sense of the word. And we're, I'm tired and I'm just like, still, you know, I'm about, I'm a little over a year into being a mom. So it's still very new for me. And just 
balancing how to be faithful in motherhood, which is a ministry in and of itself. And like, I value that so much and I don't want to discount that or act like it's second, you know, to my real ministry, but um, being faithful in that, loving my boys, discipling them. It starts with me being rooted in the word, whether I'm tired, whether I feel stressed, you know, whether I feel like I've got a million things on my to-do list for the day, um, just prayer to be faithful. Cause I know that that is where it starts. And if I am not rooted, then that's going to impact everything. My motherhood, you know, the way I treat my boys, the way I react to things, the way I minister, um, it's going to be in, in my own flesh and not walking in the spirit. So just prayer to be a faithful woman of the word and prayer, I think would be top of my list right now. Of course, we'll certainly be praying for that. Thank you for your time and for sharing your heart today with us. I really enjoyed my conversation with you today. Thank you for listening to the Adorned Women podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard here, then follow us on our Instagram for even more great content all week long. Our handle is at Adorned Women. You can also visit our website at www.adornedwomen.com. And of course, join us again next week as we connect with another sister in Christ and learn so much from her life of faith. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time.